morning, church. Would you stand with us as we worship this morning, as we declare Emmanuel, God with us. Angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight o'er all the earth. You who sang creation story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. Come and worship, come and worship.
The prettiest sight to see is the holly that will be on your own front door. Sure, it's Christmas once more. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys? Merry almost Christmas in a while. If you don't know me, I am Zach Lawler. I'm one of the pastors here at Cameron Community Church. I'm actually the high school pastor. You guys know today we're in a series where we're talking about the significance of seemingly insignificant symbols found in Christmas. Last week, Dave talked about the Christmas tree. Some of you guys might have been kind of surprised to find out the true origins of the Christmas tree. I know I was, but I think you might even been more surprised to find out that there were symbols that were placed on the first Christmas. Christmas tree that represented the gospel of Christ. Now, as an evangelist at heart, you guys know that got me all pumped up, right? Like, I was worked up after Dave's message, right? I wanted to scream about Jesus, but he wouldn't let me. Now, imagine my excitement when I got my symbol for this week, and I thought it was pretty insignificant, and then I found out that within my symbol contains the entire gospel display and message. And you guys know Zach was all fired up about that. I'm actually really excited about talking about my item today. And that is the candy cane. <laughs> right? I know, right? Um, but did you guys just think, man, did the Grinch of t- Christmas time pass just admit that he's excited about the candy cane? I did, you guys. I did. Now, you know there must be something special about it to get me all pumped up, and there is, and I can't wait to tell you guys. Are you guys ready? 
Uh, no, you ain't ready. I'm not going to tell you yet then. I'm not going to tell you yet. First, I want to start with a question. Do you guys have anything in your life that you carry around because it represents something significant to you, yet it doesn't really hold great importance in itself? Like, do you carry anything around in your life that is significant to you, but really not important to others? Like something very worthy, but has little value. Now, you guys might have noticed this little yellow thing hanging from my pocket. Raise your hand if you noticed it. Right? You guys might have been like, what the heck? I've been in questions all morning. Like, Raquel was like, yo, did you join a gang? And I was like, I'm too pretty for the gang life. Like, you have no idea. And other people are like, are you going to wipe your sweat with it and get all Baptist? Oh, Lord, it lo-. no. Right? Like, are you going to cover your shameful baldness with it for a change? No. I'm proud of the baldness. I earned it through years of stress. Right? No. Um, it actually, you guys should know, it represents something very important to me. You see, uh, I've been carrying this rag around for 11 years, believe it or not. And, and I got this rag at the end of a men's encounter. And it was at that men's encounter, you can call it a retreat if you want, where I watched God change the most stubborn, hard-headed, strong-willed, foul-mouthed beast of a man this world has ever produced. And if you're wondering if that was me, no, I would never refer to myself as a beast. I'm kind of tiny. But at this retreat... I had been encouraged to go into ministry. And this would, in fact, be the first time I would ever give a sermon in my life. And, and um, I just remember preparing this, like, terrible, incoherent dribble I called a sermon, right? And I remember being like, God, you got to be with me on this one because this is going to be rough without you. you got to do something. And I remember thinking, as a matter of fact, God, if you want me to go into ministry, you have to show me something significant. Like, I need a sign with lights and, like, a neon arrow, you know what I mean? I need some fire. So I invited the person that I thought was the furthest from Jesus I had ever known, and that was my little brother, Doug. And even for Jesus, I thought, God, you got some work to do with Doug. You know what I mean? It's going to take something amazing to get his heart to change. And here's the amazing part. Within two days, we baptized my brother. And within two days, I saw him go from a brother to a brother in Christ, from dead to life, from sinner to saved, from nobody to somebody, right? And, And in two days... God did all of that. And I just want to ask, how good is our God, you guys? How good is our God, you know? And so I carry this around with me to remind myself of that. And if that wasn't enough, after I gave that terrible, incoherent sermon, the head pastor of a megachurch came up to me and said, Brother, this is what God has for you. You can teach. And those few words changed my life. You know, to you, this yellow rag means nothing. But to me, this yellow rag means so much. And there's another thing in our lives that seems to be insignificant. It's a thing called a candy cane, you guys. To the world, the candy cane means very little, right? It has little meaning other than a little bit of sweetness in the holiday season. But to many Christians, it means so much more. Now, the origins of the candy cane are far less dark than the Christmas tree. I just want to start with that, okay? I couldn't find any record of any pagan rituals being performed by the candy cane. That would be pretty difficult if they there was. But the origins of the Christmas tree seemed to stem from a simple white piece of candy that was enjoyed by the German people for quite some time. However, legend has it, a simple choir master, a Catholic choir master, brought it into the church for its first use. And according to legend, way back in 1670, this German choir master brought the candy cane into the church with one purpose, the hopes that he could get the kids to shut up long enough to hear the gospel story, okay? So he did do one very important thing. He put a hook on the candy cane to represent the shepherd's staff of Christ. And that is the first appearance we see of it in the church. Now, the red stripes are a little bit more confusing. Some claim the big box evil candy industry added red in order to increase sales. But we're just going to ignore that one, okay? We're just going to go with the fact that Christians have redeemed the candy candy cane to mean something so much greater. Today, as believers, it represents so much more. As you guys might know, the white on the candy cane represents the purity of Christ. 
The thick red stripes represent Jesus' blood poured out for us all. And the thin red stripes represent the, the stripes he received on behalf of us sinners. The stripes he received to cover our sin, the beating he received. And the hook still represents that amazing shepherd's staff. Now, I don't know if you just caught that, church, but that means within the symbol of the candy cane, we have the entire gospel presentation. The goodness of God, the blood of Christ, the price he paid to save us all, and his role as our great shepherd. That means the simple little piece of candy can be used to both remember Christ and wait for it to share the story of Christ with your neighbors and that is so good and today we will look at two massive reminders found in the candy game the first reminder is this and you guys should hold on to this one as a church the first reminder we should hold on to is that we have the shepherd church we as believers have the shepherd in our lives we are not alone we are not abandoned, and we never will be because we have the shepherd. Can I get another amen for that one? Now, thank you all five of you. I really appreciate it. Today, we're going to be in Luke 2, 8 through 10. But first, before we get into the word of God, as always, will you guys please pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to just be with this church. I thank you for the Christmas season, God. I thank you for the work done on the cross, and I thank you that a simple candy cane displays that story. Be with us, Lord. Walk with us today. Let your words from your gospels just permeate our minds and our hearts. And we're counting on you to show up in this place. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So excited. Luke 2, 8 through 10. We're going to start in verse 8. If you guys have your digi Bibles or your Bibles, pop them out. It'll also be up on the screens. I'll start in verse 8 yet again. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Now we recognize this as the same Christmas story we hear year after year. And as you guys know, there's this amazing idea of these shepherds, these lowly shepherds going to be some of the first people to witness the birth of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ. And as you know, it's a big deal because he's sending these lowly shepherds to see the king, but not just any king, guys, the, the king of kings, the king of all kings. And I mean, sending the wise men, we learned about that last week, sending the wise men makes sense. You guys understand this, as David explained last week, they were, they were highly educated, they had power, wealth, authority, they were accompanied with a large entourage, as he pointed out, which I did not no, he was probably, they were probably accompanied by hundreds, maybe even a thousand people, right? So that group makes sense. However, shepherds, you guys know this, shepherds were considered lowly people. They, they worked in the fields, they lived in the fields. They actually made them unclean in Jewish standards. They lived with livestock, right, you guys? They were actually considered untrustworthy by their culture, right? It's kind of like a tire bus in Farino in the hood. You don't trust those guys, you know? So we come to this information, and none of it makes them the best witnesses to see the birth of Christ. But as we know, there's this beautiful point being made in this story that God did not come just for the rich and the prestigious. He did not just come for the righteous and the wealthy, but also for the downtrodden, the lowly, the broken, the needy. He came for the rich and the poor, the educated and the illiterate. He came for the religious and the pagans. He came for the Jews and the Gentiles. Jesus Christ was born for them all, for every one of them. And that includes me, and I praise Jesus for that all the time. But there's another point being made by this story. It is the foreshadowing of the role Jesus would play as the great shepherd of all the believers. And we come back to the point there that we have the shepherd. Now, this is not the first time in the Bible that Jesus would be compared to the shepherd. He'd actually been compared to the shepherd long before his birth. We see this in Isaiah 40, 11. And that verse says this, He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. And he will gently lead those who are with young. And there's this amazing role that Jesus would live out through his birth and his life and the, and the, and the prophetic word. But then we see Jesus comparing himself to the shepherd all the time in the New Testament. He says this in John 10:11, I am the good shepherd. 
And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. This all points to that same truth. As believers, we have a shepherd. We have a God that holds us tight and will never let us go. We have a God who watches over us and controls everything that comes our way. But I had this church, and I had this thought, you know, and it took a lot of energy for me to come up with a thought because my brain is tiny, but I had this thought. How often do we overlook and how often do we forget about the idea that we as believers have a shepherd overseeing every aspect and every minute of our lives? You see, I feel like I am called to remind us of something that we have, and that is the shepherd we know as Jesus. I mean, how often do we forget that he is with us in everything, that in everything that comes our way is filtered through his mighty hands. As a matter of fact, how about this idea? In his hands we are securely held and nothing, nothing can take us from his mighty grip. How about this one? There is no failure, no shortcoming, no enemy, no scheme of man that could ever snatch us from the mighty hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. How about that reminder? I mean, church, how often do we remember that truth? I want you to remember it today. It's my desire for you guys. Remember that truth today. As a matter of fact, look at your neighbor and say, I have the shepherd. Come on, y'all. Look at your neighbor and say, I have the shepherd. Shout it. I have the shepherd. You guys are making me work for my money today, all right? And everything we experience, he is there with us. When we hurt, he is there in the suffering, the pain. He never leaves our side, church. We need to remember in the ups and downs and the valleys and the mountaintops, he is our shepherd. How about this one, you guys? Ooh, okay, come on now. How about this one in the end? In the end, when we face a righteous and powerful and mighty God, when we stand there as broken, wretched people, the shepherd will step in one more time. And even though we've earned death, deserved death, and fully deserve to be rejected by God, we will be found righteous, pure, sinless sheep in front of God. Man, that is so good. And we come back to the point, all of this is done because the good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. But church, you know what I was thinking? This isn't the reality for everybody. It's our reality. But it's not a reality for everybody. Does everybody have the shepherd? Is everybody held securely in the hand of a God who will never let them down? Church, my hope and my desire is today that you will remember how great and amazing God is. That you truly have the shepherd in your life. But the other thing I want you to remember is not everybody has the shepherd present in their lives. This isn't true for everyone. And this brings us to our second reminder found in the candy cane. And it's far more of a depressing reminder. And that is this. The, um, the world has no shepherd. Where we have the shepherd, the world has no shepherd. We are found. They are lost. This point is made very clear by Jesus in Matthew 9, 36. If you have your Bibles, pull your Bibles. Sorry to make you flip around so much, but I want you guys to hop over to Matthew 9, 36. Jesus says, uh, the Bible says this. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like what? Like sheep without a shepherd. <laughs> I'll tell the bad jokes up here. Hold that in. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. You see, there's something we must never lose sight of as believers, you guys. And it's something extremely easy to forget, that our reality is not the reality of the lost. The unbeliever has no shepherd. And you might be thinking, yeah, Zach, we know this. This is common knowledge. Duh, if they reject Jesus, they have no shepherd in their lives. However, church, do you ever focus on how extremely devastating it would be to have no shepherd like Jesus in your life? Where he's holding us tightly in his hands, they jeff throughout life with no protection. Where we are set free, they remain slaves to sin. Where we have security, they're alone. They're utterly alone. And where we have everything in our lives filtered in the hand of a mighty God. 
They think everything is random, pointless, and a result of some sort of karma dished out by the universe. And where we are found, they are hopelessly lost. And Jesus saw this when he looked at them. It says he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus gives this image of a sheep. Have you guys ever found like a singular sheep in a situation? They're not really intelligent, okay? And, and they just wandered throughout life making weird noises like the guy in the audience, you know? And, and, and they're helpless and they're, and they're powerless to defend themselves. If a wolf comes along, the sheep's going down, you guys. The only protection they really have is either the shepherd or the shepherd dog. Now, we come back to this idea that they were like, you guys need to see this. The world would not view the people in the crowd that way that day. Like, that's how Jesus viewed them. But if we were to see that crowd, we would see, like, strong men and women, capable. Not toddlers with snotty noses walking around, but capable adults. Like, you guys need to understand something. Jesus was not looking merely at their physical state. Jesus was looking at them in a, in a spiritual manner. He wasn't looking at necessarily what was going on the outside. God had a way of looking through people's exteriors and seeing what was really happening on the inside. And don't think he doesn't do that to all of us in this church. Ooh, that's a sermon for another day. Now, the Lord Jesus had a way of looking at the world and seeing them as they really were lost. Somebody in desperate need of a savior the reason Jesus had come to the earth in the first place. But we know this. This isn't new information, church. However, I had to ask myself a massive question. Is that how I view the world? Is that how you view the world? Church, do we see them as sheep, lost, helpless, without a master? Or do we more often see them as goats? How do we view the world around us? You know, I had this crazy thought, you guys. I had this crazy thought. And please don't, please don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say. But do you guys ever think about this might, this might be the reason we spend so much time as Christians helping homeless people? Right? Because, like, with homeless people, the physical need is so much more obvious. You guys get this, right? Like, I was at the park the other day, and there was a homeless guy with his underwear on the outside of his pants, and he was screaming at pigeons. And I was like, oh, Lord, this guy needs the gospel, okay? This guy needs help. The need is just obvious on homeless people. But I had this other thought. There's this family we've been inviting to church for quite some time. And we just haven't been able to get them in the doors, you guys. But if I could be real, when I look at my neighbors and my friends, I don't see helpless people. Like, I don't see helpless, wandering sheep. Like, I look at the people next door to me, right, and I see, like, an amazing family. And, and I see, like, like, just beauty and health and athleticism. And they have these fantastic children. And they have a nice big house and a nice big car. They seem to have everything figured out. They even carry, like, my Christian Judaic values, right? I think they even voted for the same guy. Don't ask me who that was. I'll get fired. But, right, there's, there's this idea that they line up with me in so many ways. So when I look at them, I forget to see them as lost sheep. Most of the time when I look at them, I look like they, they have everything figured out. That they're just fine. What could they possibly need from me? What could they possibly desire from a guy like Zach? But instead, I think I need to see them in a spiritual manner. Forget about what's going out on the outside. Sure, his wife drives a white Chevy Suburban like every other soccer mom in Camarillo. But what's really going on on the inside of my neighbor's? You see, church, homeless people are in need, amen, obviously, but the rest of the world is in desperate need as well. They are in desperate need of this guy we call Jesus Christ. And this brings us back to our big idea. We must see the world as Jesus saw the world. We must see the world through the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, I want you guys to do something for me. You guys, I'm going to... I'm going to have every single one of you handed a candy cane on the way out. And, and, and do me a favor, okay? Resist your desire to eat them, okay, right away. All right? You can get diabetes from another sugar, okay? But just, just leave them in your pocket. Take them home. If you have to, grab a donut on the way out. We'll get you, you guys your sugar fix. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that candy cane home. And I want you to hang it on your Christmas tree. And I want it to be a reminder to you guys of what the shepherd did for his people. But in another way, I want it to represent something so much more to you. When you look at that candy cane hanging from that tree, 
I want you guys to see your lost neighbors, people in hopeless need of a savior, people who are lost, people who are harassed, people with no shepherd and no hope. And I want you guys to think about inviting them to church this Christmas season. I want you guys to think about inviting them all here on Christmas Eve. Church, I had this idea. I can't finish this sermon without reading those words from Jesus Christ. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send harbors, so to send laborers into the harvest. Church, the harvest was plentiful 2,000 years ago. But I had a question. Is the harvest any less plentiful today, right now in Camarillo, California? Church, do I look at a room full of people or do I look at a room full of people ready to go to work for the harvest? And I have a question, church. Who wants to go to work? One of you. you guys, the church was not designed to be bystanders. We were designed to be laborers. The world needs us to go to work. The world is in desperate need of laborers. You know, today we talked about two reminders. We talked, about, we talked about the fact that we have the shepherd and the world doesn't, but church, we have this other reminder in our lives. It's a consistent reminder. Do you guys ever just look at the cross on the wall as a reminder of something? You guys need to know that it's not just merely two pieces of wood crossed over each other. That that cross to the believer represents so much more. To the world, it's just a symbol. They might even wear it around their neck, forgetting what it means. But to us, it, rem it represents the constant reminder of the great cost God prayed to say, to God paid to set us free. As a matter of fact, you might notice that in the Christian church, there's no depiction of Jesus still hanging from the cross. Why? Because He isn't there anymore. How about this one? Is he in the grave? He's not there either. You're not going to find him because nothing can hold him down. Nothing can stop his great love and nothing can separate him from his sheep. Even in the power of death could not hold down our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, in a, Lord, in a world that is lost, we need to point him to the cross. In a world that is helpless, we need to point them to the cross. Know this, people need God like man needs air. They are people with no hope, no future, no protection, no made to be made right with God guys they may look like they have no need but they are blind and helpless the bible describes them like this that they go through life groping at the walls as people with no eyes the world is people that are blind and helpless but luckily we know a man that heals the blind the world is broken and hurting but we know this man who heals the heart and carries the broken the world is full of sin and filth we know this man has overcome sin and cleanses the leopard the world is separated from god by a great chasm but we have a god who bridges the gap between god and mankind the world is dead helpless to save themselves yet we know this god that raises the dead to life and saves the helpless his name is jesus christ Jim Moyer, and I'm the pastor of discipleship and family ministry here at Camp CC. So as we continue to worship our Lord Jesus in song, uh, this second Sunday of Advent, uh, we also are going to join worship through communion. So Advent is a long-standing tradition of the church during the Christmas season. 
a tradition that acknowledged and celebrate the arrival of the anticipated Messiah. The word Advent just means the arrival or appearing of a noble, uh, notable person. But the church gives the word Advent a special meaning as a period of spiritual preparation in which we make ready for the arrival as a baby, the Lord Jesus Christ, just over 2,000 years ago. Celebrating Advent leads us into anticipation and joy and hope. The Christmas season in which, um, as a whole, we celebrate that, you know, joy and hope. But Advent focuses on the fulfillment of his promise of a Messiah that would be a king. God promised that. He came through. And he had this uh, birth, this arrival, planned from the very beginning, even from before the creation of time. In the Old Testament, the prophet Micah writes, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. And it came to be. The angel Gabriel spoke to the, son, to the soon-to-be-pregnant Mary about her son, saying, He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will, be, he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This is what we focus on at Christmas, the anticipated newborn king. But the promise was also for a savior. For we, you, me, indeed the world, has great need for a savior. And I admit, though, at Christmas, I tend to focus on the king part, the kingship, the kingdom, and not so much on our promised savior part of Christmas. But God planned from ancient days to provide a way for us to be reconciled to him, to be the savior. From the prophet Isaiah, God speaking says, who declared it of old? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Also, he says, then all flesh shall know that I am the Lord, your God, your Savior, and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. God knew and planned for the need for a savior that only he could be. Paul writes to Timothy this verse. He says, but when the kindness and love of God our savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. So, this morning, as we prepare to take communion in the season of Advent, Think on this truth. God loves us, and his mercy is great. He promised and delivered a means of restoring our relationship to him through the newborn king and savior. This is what communion is about, remembering that God is our savior. At great sacrifice, death on a cross, Jesus paid for our sin, restoring our relationship, and he now sits on the throne in glory. Amen. So let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your promise and your plan to save us through your son, Jesus. And now, in this Christmas season, Father, would you remind us of the purpose of his appearing to be our Savior. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So.
We're going to take communion here in just a few minutes. And if you don't have your elements yet, you can come up to the front and uh, pick those up and go back to your seat. And I will come back up here in just a few minutes and together in your seats, we will celebrate communion. I will lead you in communion uh, in just a few minutes. So if you don't have your elements, come on up and you can get those.
all have a seat for a second. Man, it's been, uh, I, I'm a little under the weather, so I've been kind of hiding out in my office. I don't want to expose anybody to my cold that I got. Uh, but it sure has been fun to connect with you guys online and type in and saying hello. I have a cousin who watches in Colombia, South America every week. And, uh, you know, I got to talk to her online. And so, para todos que están viendo en Colombia or bien en Colombia, feliz Navidad. And so that's kind of fun too. And so welcome to Camarillo Community Church. We're so uh, glad that you are here with us. It is time. Uh, first of all, we'll go into the giving portion of our gathering time. And so if you came prepared to give a gift to the Lord, there's three ways to give. I think we, sometimes we put that on the screen and uh, you can definitely do it online. You know, if you came prepared to write a check, there's a box in the back, those type of things. Uh, thank you for supporting the ministry here at Camarillo Community Church. We actually get no public funds for anything that you see here. So uh, everything that you see that has been done here or that we're doing here is because of the sacrificial families in our church. And thank you for joining myself and my family in doing that. With that said, uh, we were uh, gonna present today Victory Sunday, what was done. If you're new to us today, maybe you're new watching online, you don't know the, what the Welcome Project is. The Welcome Project was basically an effort that our leadership said, what if we were to sacrifice some more uh, and we could do more for the kingdom of God, maybe uh, redo the patio, redo the lobby of our church, and uh, in hopes of bringing new people in with some new excitement, and, and really in hopes of, of introducing them to, the, to our Savior, Jesus Christ. As, man, Zach so unbelievably preached today. It was so awesome. He did a great job, didn't he? And so we are, we are you know, excited about that whole effort, and uh, let me make sure I have my notes so I say everything I wanted to say on that. Oh, uh, so we basically asked the church to vote. Would you vote with us and, and determine with us if this is the will of God to move forward? Do we have the favor of God in this? Now, I have to tell you something as a pastor and as a shepherd that I get more excited about, and I want you to hear this because this is really true. Something I get more excited about than, than you know fire pits and fireplaces and chairs. What I get more excited about is that discipleship mechanism in your heart that says, you know what, uh, what if we were to do some more? What, what if we were to sacrifice more for our God? There is a spiritual movement in your heart when you do that, and I know many of us participated in that, and in a difficult season even. I mean, we, we, you hear the R word, recession, floating around here now and then, depending on the week. Last week it was the Fed dro dropped the desire to raise the rates. So maybe we're not in a recession, maybe we are. It's up and down, up and down. And yet people in our church says, you know, even in spite of all that information, we're still gonna sacrifice for our king. And for me as a pastor, that's what makes me smile inside because that's a spiritual thing that's going on inside of you. So um, there are many of you that we were asking, would you give above and beyond your normal gifts? And there are people in the room that said, you know what? We're not giving on a normal level. So how could we give above and beyond if we're not giving? And I believe that many families have joined us because in the last month or so, we've seen our general fund increase tremendously to where we were in some red ink, not, not anything to be concerned about, but we're not in red ink anymore because of the last three or four weeks of people jumping on and saying, you know what, we're gonna commit to the Lord uh, and give him what's rightfully his and then allow ourselves to grow spiritually in that process as well. So if you're here and you're there, you know, I wasn't able to give above and beyond this time, but I am starting to give on a normal level. We see you, I mean, we don't literally see you. I don't go through a list and see your name. You know, curse those, those who don't and bless those who do. I don't do that, you know. Um, that's a joke. <laughs> but uh, we see you, and we, I believe God sees you. He's going to bless that heart inside of you. And so, even in the midst of all this season, uh, people in our church giving deep, it's been a wonderful thing to see this process. Now, uh, I'm going to put the number on the screen in a second here. Uh, but before I do that, let me just say this. Uh, you know, it's good news and bad news. Uh, we didn't quite hit our goal that we ex were, were trying to hit. At the same time, uh, we do believe that God's given us his favor and said, move forward with this project. And so with that, no further ado, let me show you on the screen what we were able to, uh, in the next three years, above and beyond regular gifts, $860,000. Absolutely. Now, here's the thing. Uh, we knew that this was kind of a, a, a kind of a sketchy season to do this. Uh, we had actually had planned to do this before COVID happened, and then COVID happened, then we waited, and it turns out maybe during the COVID season that would have been better in the sense that, you know, there were some more monies available, and then the recession fears and all those kind of things. Uh, but at the same time, who knows? We would have done it there, got, got a bigger pledge, and then people would have been to the place where they couldn't fulfill it. So whatever, we know God's sovereign over all that stuff. But I want to say this, just understand this. 
we knew um, what kind of state we were in, and so we wanted to make sure that when we gave those pictures out that we could really do that. We didn't want to oversell the project, so we purposely held back on some of our dreams and didn't put those all the dreams in the picture form. And so what I want to tell you is we believe with that $860,000 that we're going to be able to do the majority of the things that you saw pictured on those, on, on those pictures. And some of you are going, well, what were the other ideas? Well, you can come to us on the side and, and, and we'll tell you what those ideas were. Uh, but we believe, uh, let me make sure I'm clear, from the information that we have right now, we believe that we're going to be able to do almost everything that we gave you in pictures, even with that $860,000 uh, and not having the full, the full commitment. But here's the thing. That's, that's a phrase. So what does that mean? That means the patio is going to happen. That means the, you know, the, 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 the fireplaces, all that stuff. We were going to move forward all that. We believe God said yes. The vote was yes. Move forward. This is the will of God. We're going to do it. And so now, there's all kinds of things that have to happen this week. You're going to be praying with us on Monday. The plans will go to the, the City Planning Commission. Uh, we need favor through that whole city process. From there, we got to get our, our beautiful re uh, art renderings and turn them into architectural renderings. And then we got to go to construction uh, folks and ask them how much it's actually going to cost. We believe we're fine. We got to make sure that nails don't, you know, go up 1,500,000%, you know, <laughs> between now and then. It's everything. So um, all that we will let you know as we're going along the way. But we believe we're going to be able to, to, to complete almost all of it. Now, here's the other thing. There are so many people in the room who are sacrificing above and beyond. And it could be that God would bless you in this season more than you, uh, you even imagine because of recession fears, all these things. And in a year's time, you might say, you know, God's blessed me more than I was able. And you might be able to give more to the Welcome Project as, if, as I am hoping to do as well. And who knows, maybe we could do everything that we wanted to do. And so we're going to continue to believe in God that he'll do that with us. And there will be a drop down in uh, the giving portal online uh, for the next three years. And at any time if the Lord blesses you, you can say, I want to give this portion to the Welcome Project. And we can continue dreaming and hoping that God will continue to fulfill that entire dream, not just what we have pictured, but other things as well. So with that, I want to say thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We are praising God. We are excited, uh, uh, I believe, and especially for those of you who really took this to heart. God, man, God's going to bless you for that heart to say, I want to give more to the Lord, and I want to show him that he's number one in my life. Thank you for making him a priority in your life. That makes me happy and joyful as a pastor, no matter what we do with the monies just that whole endeavor. Good morning, I'm Clara Chisholm and I'm part of the high school ministry here at CAMCC. I'm so glad you are here. If you are a first, second, or third time guest, we have some fantastic gifts for you to thank you for hanging out with us today. It's like Christmas came early. I'm talking Starbucks gift cards, mugs, and dessert. Go to the welcome counter in the lobby with your connection card, or if you're watching online, go to camcc.net slash next steps. This Christmas season is a great time to invite friends, family, co-workers, and neighbors to join you at the many great up-and-coming things here at CAMCC. Sunday, December 11th, Pictures with Santa. Following both gathering hours, 9 and 1045, get your family picture with Santa for free. Don't wait in long lines at the mall. Show up looking Christmassy and you will have the perfect cover for your annual Christmas card. Bring a family to join you and your smiles. Sunday, December 11th, 4.30 p.m., award-winning artist Mary Rice Hopkins featuring Brush Arbor performing hits and holiday favorites for the entire family to enjoy. She will be joined by special guest Puppets with a Heart by Darcy Mays, as seen on TVN. Tickets and packages available at camcc.net. Saturday, December 17th, 5.30 to 9.30 p.m. Parents' night out. Drop off your kids here at the church and enjoy a date night out. Or maybe you need to finish your Christmas shopping or wrapping. This is your night. Donations accepted and will help fund Awana Summer Camp. For questions, contact awana at camcc.net. Saturday, December 24th, Christmas Eve candlelight gatherings, 4 and 6 p.m. Join us for our dynamic and powerful Christmas Eve gathering with upbeat live music, delicious holiday sweet treats, festive family photos, and classic carols. Childcare will be provided for birth to pre-K. This will be an evening you will not want to miss. We will not be holding gatherings on Christmas Day so that you can all spend time with your families, which is why we are offering two gatherings on Christmas Eve. So get here early to get a seat. Who will you ask to join you as a guest? Sunday, January 15th. 
Baptisms. We will be having baptisms for both worship gatherings. If you would like to take the next step in your faith, mark your connection card baptism or go to campcc.net slash next steps and Pastor Daryl will get in touch with you or answer any questions you may have. You don't even have to sign up. We will have everything you need if you decide to make the decision that morning. A true outward expression of an inward change. For more info, contact Daryl at campcc.net. To stay in the loop of what's going on at CamCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more info on any of these events, go to CamCC.net. My name's Angela Luz, and I'm worship leader here if we haven't met before. Thank you so much, Pastor, uh, Pastor Zach, for that reminder this morning. Just um, in this season of gift giving and the wanting gifts in return, just that reminder that the Lord is our shepherd and in Him we should want for nothing. So this season, let's share that with others. Let's share that greatest gift giver, the gift Himself, with our friends or a family and our neighbors who are lost. If you are a guest this morning, speaking of gifts, we've got a gift for you. You can go on out to the Welcome Center. If you are online, you can go to camcc.net slash next steps to get your gift. You can also go out to the lobby to get our Mary Rice Hopkins and Brush Arbor tickets. That's next Sunday, the 11th. Um, in the afternoon. And right now, we're not going to have to have patio because I think it's raining. So we'll join in the lobby, get some donuts, some coffee, fill up our sugar, grab your candy cane on your way out, and we'll see you next Sunday. <laughs>